0: Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6.30 Chad.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. It's Brendan Escott in the big chair this evening in place of one Reed Wilkins in place of another Dave Campbell busy guys on this show. So they got the kid the call up. It's been a while. I think it's been well over a year since I have hosted this particular program, which has a high bar. I intend not to trip over or catch my head on as we navigate our way through this evening show with plenty to talk about. Again, Brendan Escott here, typical producer of Oilers Now. You hear me on the afternoon sports run as well, but you probably already knew that considering I was uh, just talking to you a couple of minutes ago. But let's blow it open into long form, shall we? We've got plenty of CFL headlines to talk about. We'll do that with the regular guest host of this show coming up after the 6.30 news, Dave Campbell, the colour analyst for your Edmonton. Edmonton Elks broadcast here on 630 Chad is live in a different city for the first time in two more years of course the Edmonton Elks taking on the BC Lions from BC Place Stadium tomorrow night six o'clock for your countdown to kick off eight o'clock game time here on Chad. we'll get a preview of that we'll get some thoughts on frankly just what it's like to be back on the road in that kind of setting I know I was just at the coast a few weekends ago and just just such a beautiful city it's so amazing down there if only you could afford to live there a uh, different story for a different night but uh, nevertheless that is where we'll begin week three of the cfl tomorrow night and it's time for the edmonton elks to start really figuring out what the identity of this team is going to be there's a strange conflict between what i'm seeing in terms of the stats column and what it's actually materializing into which through two games has not been a victory yet and both of those games coming on home turf and both of those games coming against teams that I think this group of Elks believes they could have if not should have beaten you were not looking at Ottawa or Montreal to come out of the CFL East this year atop things and yet those are the two teams accounting for the losses for the Elks thus far So what is the issue when you talk about the quarterback in Trevor Harris leading the CFL right now with 566 passing yards? How about James Wilder Jr., the new running back, the 29-year-old, looks like his career has been completely reinvigorated after, you know, some flashes in Toronto. He seems to have put it together in Edmonton, leading the CFL through two weeks with 174 rushing yards. But... Only one touchdown between those two stats I just read off, and that was Harris passing to Shai Ross in garbage time against against the Alouettes. So... Why are they spinning the tires, I guess, is what we need to figure out. For a team that had enough pieces that would have been familiar with head coach Jamie Elizondo and the direction that they wanted to see this offense go, the familiarity, as I understood it coming into this CFL season without the preseason, that familiarity was supposed to favour the Elks. It was supposed to maybe even lend them a step ahead of the rest of the competition when you talk about Harris and Nellingson and their OC in Ottawa once upon a time being Elizondo. So why isn't it working? Well, we'll get some thoughts from Dave on that first of all, but we've also got some audio from the quarterback of this team in Harris just talking about what they're preaching so as to not overreact to a
2: winless first two weeks. Yeah, just that it's football, and you know, a lot of things are about you rather win or learn. And I know that's a cliche, but cliches are often cliches for a reason. And uh, we've got a bunch in here that's that's wanting to learn, that's hungry to learn, and a bunch that after the game um, was putting their arms around each other. We know it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not good enough for myself, and I, I hold myself to a higher standard. Anybody that uh, has a standard for me, I, trust me, I hold myself to a higher one. So I'm going to continue to progress as much as I can for these guys in the locker room and. And uh, you know, for for our coaches and for this organization, and um, you know, that's that, we know where we want to be uh, come November, December, and we're going to keep striving to get there. And I've been in, I've been in this league quite a long time, and I've been on some championship teams. This has the genetic makeup, It has the makeup in the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, a lot of times, I when you hit adversity, you can see who's really with you, and you know, it reveals a lot of character. And we've got a great character in this locker room, and I know we're going to hang together, uh, put our arms around each other, get better, look each other in the eye have those tough conversations tough film meeting rooms and we're going to do that regardless if we win or lose um, yes. outcomes not going to make a difference in how we respond that's Elks quarterback Trevor Harris what do you think about this situation with the
1: Elks putting up the numbers and not really getting it done are we are, are, are we overreacting to this just to me it's the way that those two games have been lost it's who the Elks lost to it's where they lost those games And it's how they went about losing them. Some big defensive errors, um some... simple mental mistakes in game one really when you think about the fumble that was or interception I guess that was turned over and ran back 101 yards the other way or the deep ball the one of very few deep balls we've seen the Elks offense connect on to Mike Jones in that week one game and that got called back as well so it seems like for everything that this team does to inch forward and, and getting over this hump and trying to find a rhythm and move the ball downfield with consistency it, it gets rescinded and that's got to be frustrating even though it's through two weeks now maybe you're seeing something that I'm not if you are 780-496-0063 is the text line that's how you keep in touch you can phone in as well we'll uh, have some time for your thoughts on that front but head coach Jamie Elizondo on the morale of this Elks group right now
2: after falling to 0-2 on the season I think there's always disappointment with any loss you can be 16-0 and and lose and then you're disappointed so anytime you have a loss, you're, you have a tremendous amount of emotional ups and downs that you go through. There's only this year 14 of these, right? So they're weighed differently. The challenges is the emotional part of understanding that there's a process in place it, it hasn't started the way we expected, but if there's trust in the process, and there's trust in the vision, and there's trust in the direction, then those guys can grasp onto that. But to say that those guys, you know, aren't disappointed, I think they'd be disappointed if if we were two and zero and and didn't play well. So I, I think we have a great locker room. We're truly blessed with that.
1: Head coach of the Edmonton Elks, Jamie Elizondo, on the morale of the group. The morale of the show has just taken a huge uptick, and that is because Reed Wilkins is sitting on the line right now. He has been listening post golf game, evidently. Reed, I'm going to ask you about the Elks, but I'd better start with how you shot today. How'd it go?
0: nine was one of my best of the season and the back nine was one of my worst nine of the season. Oh, but that's usually how it goes for me. So I'm did, not very good.
1: Did you run out of steam on the second half? Is that what happened? You started out of the yeah. gates hot?
0: No, I'm just a crappy golfer, Brandon. I appreciate you trying to offer fatigue as an excuse but <laughs> I just am an inconsistent bad player and it just so happened the uh, back nine was worse today. Usually it's the other way around. My front nine, if I have a bad nine, it's usually the front. Well, and- I I... I
1: that's why I ask so you can't be all that consistent if your uh, your game is faltering at different parts of the round. Is that safe to
0: say? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just I'm just a sad player. Like I, I really think maybe that's why I'm not a bad golfer. I'm just a sad golfer. Like I, I feel that maybe if people watch me, they wouldn't think, oh, this guy is not very good. They would just be they would feel this overwhelming sense of, of sadness that such a golf game even exists and that somebody has to execute it which is me so it was okay
1: well you're out look, there you're out there often enough to at least be providing wild entertainment for those places that you frequent i would say yeah, I so. if you're not improving at least that's the benefit of it all
0: <laughs> yeah the people that play with me get uh, get some laughter out of my attempted shots look i i actually am concerned about the elks and you know, sometimes you can say, well, they got yardage and they just didn't finish drives. But, you know, you have to kind of look at how it's happening. And and they're not, they're not really getting to the red zone a ton, especially against Montreal. I guess they did maybe three or four times against Ottawa. But there's something missing in the offense. And I, and I know they had two new tackles on this past Saturday's game. But there's this inability to, and I, I bring this up all the time, but it's this inability to rattle off big chunks of yardage. And, and that concerns me because in the CFL, you can't just gain five to seven yards at a time. Eventually, you'll miss a play, and, and then you're punting. So, you know, I, I know they had the one deep ball to Walker, and they got a couple other passenger interference calls against Montreal, but really it looks like the offense is sitting there saying like okay our thing is we're going to go on a 12 play drive and that's how we're going to score that is that is extremely hard to do and they don't appear to be opening up the defense and the defenses don't appear to have any concern about the elks going deep on them at all and i think with montreal too you saw the value of having a quarterback that can scramble a little bit, and he only had to do it a couple of times, but there, there was a one play, I think it was in the second quarter, uh, Vernon Adams got forced from the pocket and had to sprint way out to his right, and then he threw a long bomb, and they got about a 40-yard gain because he kept the play alive. And I don't, I don't think we're seeing... I don't think Harris is immobile, but I don't think he's super mobile, and so he doesn't get away from the rush as well, and then he also can't slip away and change the angle to, you know, to have maybe a better throwing lane to a receiver. So, you know, something's missing. And, and when they went down 17-3 to Montreal, I thought, like, it's over. They're not going to outscore them by 15 points the rest of the game. And on top of it, the special teams has been a huge minus this year. They don't get a good return, and, and they've given up some long returns a touchdown to Montreal, and that trick play against Ottawa was about half a yard away from working. I mean, he had the guy open. He just threw the ball too far ahead and got called for an illegal forward pass. So I I am concerned about the Elks. Um, I I know, you know, it is a league where two-thirds of the teams make the playoffs, but right now they don't look like one of the top six teams in the league. Things can't turn around quickly. Sometimes it just takes a, a few plays or a good quarter to get things rolling, but we haven't really... Seen them on the verge of of doing that yet. We'll see what happens with with BC. I mean, BC has looked. Um really good at times and, and not so good at times even in their first couple of games.
3: What
1: I would say, Reed, is that it sounds like a lot of the same issues that are plaguing this Elks team now are the same that we were talking about plaguing the Elks under Jason Moss and it's, is the ball getting out of Harris's hand quick enough and why are there not big enough plays downfield and, and special teams has been a problem long enough that they tried to bring in Terry Williams out of the Calgary Stampeders and I just don't know if he's not being put in a position to succeed or or what the deal is on that front, but the, the return game looks very similar to what it did in past, and, and so with all the, the change and the firepower at receiver and all this stuff, it still seems like the same things are going on, and that's maybe where I'm starting to have some serious concern come in.
0: Well, you know, with the return game, it's been different returners, it's been different special teams coaches, it's even been different general managers bringing in the returners, and it's been a long time since they had a field tilter. I mean, Kendall Lawrence was okay five or six years ago. Uh, Tristan Jackson was okay. That was probably 12 years ago now. And Tony Tompkins was pretty good. That was 16 years ago when they won the Great Cup in 05. I think, you know, it's a little too early for me to compare it straight across to Jason Moss. I, I think the, the criticism, th- there were two criticisms of Jason Moss, not to totally revisit that. One was the team discipline and the other was the second half adjustments, both in the seasons and in games. I mean, they usually started games well under Moss, but had poor second halves, and they usually had good first halves of the seasons under Jason Moss, and then and then tailed off. I, I don't know if there's a direct comparison there yet, but I but I understand why you would bring it up
1: interesting that bc is the team that they go to face michael Riley, going by michael and not mike now um listen is there an elbow injury isn't there i'm not sure the team in fact is getting uh, you know at least a discussion from the league as to how they've been disclosing their injury situation but he went out to, and won offensive player of the week i believe last week with 340-ish yards passing so you know you go on the road you lose your best pass rusher you're 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 kind of reeling a little bit after the first two weeks of the season but if you're o- able to overcome a few of these things maybe this is the week where it starts to shift in the right direction it'll be a task though out there on the west coast
0: well and if they don't have botang which i i learned uh off the top of the show there if, if they don't have botang that really hurts the pass rush because you know he's there he might be their best defensive player overall um look we sw- Mike Riley is a great player. Everybody saw him play at Edmonton a ton. I think Mike's weakness might be his greatest strength is that he never gives up on the play. So every once in a while he holds on to the ball too long and nothing develops and maybe he gets sacked or has to force one. But a lot of times that's his strength because he can hold the ball, he can evade the rush, and he can still find somebody. That's going to give the Elks, um, that's going to give the Elks a lot of trouble, I think. The injury stuff with the Lions... I don't know. It's, it's a bit more of a sideshow to me than anything else. Um, it's, I, I heard Riley on with, with Dave earlier this week. Probably if you're gambling, you're more upset about it than, than <laughs> if you're just a fan. But I know that's a big part of it. And I know this single-game sports betting that's coming in is probably going to help the football league with some interest, too. So maybe that's a, a storyline to consider about how they report injuries down the road
1: reed appreciate the surprise visit my friend enjoy the rest of the vacation hey all right you're sounding great thanks for having me thanks reed reed wilkins the regular
0: this episode is brought to you by hyper the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation and hyper volt massage guns to improve mobility Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
1: Host here on Inside Sports. I took it too far. We need a break. I'm sorry, Kellen. Back after this. but this next guy you'll hear he is in the lineup tomorrow night
2: I think the concerns are just we need to be playing better as a football team playing playing together uh, you know not focusing on just ourselves but how our job and, and doing it well affects the others around us it's not a surprise I mean I've been here before I've been in a place where you know you lose a couple games and uh, it's really just getting getting in a rhythm and getting in a role and once you get that and you start rolling downhill with that you know, you're gonna build up speed and you know then we're gonna be dangerous
1: Will that start tomorrow night on the West Coast? It's the Elks. It's the BC Lions live from BC Place Stadium in Vancouver. The first Elks road action in over two seasons. The man out there to call it. Well, that's why I'm talking to you right now, and he's not. Dave Campbell, colour analyst for the Elks. We'll hear from him. We'll get thoughts on the team, the sputtering offence, of course. How they'll make do without Kwaku Boteng. And how about that team they're playing under new ownership? Amar Doman takes over. A British Columbian himself wants to see the CFL grow and thrive. Excited to see what he will do. Excited to chat with Dave coming up after a global news weather traffic update with Thomas Dias. Back to us. Was this late 90s, Cullen, or early 2000s? This is
0: early 2000s early for 2000s me. Yeah.
1: Fell in love with the girl at the rock show. It's going to be rocking in Vancouver tomorrow night down at BC Place Stadium. It's the first basically normal event that they've had there, as I understand it, since the pandemic has eased enough to allow for that. It's allowed also for our commentary team to be on the road for said game, an 0-2 start at home, but we'll send it down to the West Coast Connect with the colour analyst for the Elks, the regular fill-in host on this show. That is Dave Campbell. Dave, how's How's it going, man?
3: We are doing good. Uh, everything uh, was uh, was pretty good at the airport and and all the new things you have to do. Although, I, you know, I kind of felt, you know, I was a little, little nervous going to the airport, a little anxious, but then everything's pretty normal. Uh, you got to wear a mask all the time, of course, as everyone knows who travels regularly. But this is my first flight in uh, 21 months. The last time oh. I f- was on an airplane was coming home from the East Final and uh from well I drove from Hamilton to Toronto and then took the flight home from Toronto after the East semi so or after the east final so it's it was a long time but it's uh yeah it's as just- Another step in the path of uh, normalcy, for sure. Yeah, that was what, late October 2019, if memory serves for
1: you guys on that front. Late November, late November. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, you know, and and how far we've come. We didn't even know if there would be a league on the other side of the pandemic, and obviously it didn't go there or that far. We're back at it in a truncated season, and it, not, it hasn't really gone the way that the Elks would have wanted out of the gate. And I think every team at this point will be taking their results with a grain of salt dave but is there anything in particular that's starting to trouble you a little bit you talk about the sputtering offense at least in terms of production touchdown wise i mean the stats are there on an individual basis but what do you see from this team through two weeks
3: Well, you know, let's talk about the offense because I think that's the biggest issue with with this team right now, with the talent that they have, with Trevor Harris, with the receiving core, James Wilder Jr. is leading the the league in rushing. Their run game is excellent. They're actually moving the ball very well. They're second in offense, uh, 363.5 yards per game, but we know they're not scoring points. They have one touchdown in two games, and that was in garbage time last week against the Montreal Alouettes. I think it starts up front in a lot of respects. I don't think they're getting good play out of their tackles. And, and these are not the tackles that we expected at, at the start of the season. We, we expected a combination of Derek Dennis and, and Colin Kelly and, or Tommy Draheim or uh, Sir Vincent Rogers and uh, Kyle Saxlid. And then we, we know what happened. We have, you know, Dennis basically retired and Draheim retired. Colin Kelly you know, break, or, uh, ruptures a pectoral muscle doing push-ups while he's in quarantine before training camp. Uh, Sir Vincent Rogers hasn't been able to get on track with a chest injury. Then he caught COVID, and now he's through that. And on the now he's on the six-game or he's on the six-game injury list. So we're going to see Kyle Sacks at left tackle. Uh, Justin Renfro will go back to his natural spot at right tackle. I thought he struggled uh, along with Stephen Nielsen at the tackle spots. I thought everyone, you know, as a, as a group of five, struggled last week, and then. I'm noticing the receivers and quarterback are not on the same page. I see a lot of receivers looking back at the quarterback, the quarterback looking at receivers going, you know, kind of with the arms outstretched. And I think when Trevor Harris has time, I think he's holding on to the football too long. And part of that is he's probably trying to look for something downfield when the receiver is supposed to be at his spot at a certain time and I think it's somewhat Trevor Harris is probably trying to do too much so I think it's primarily on the offense now on special teams we haven't seen much out of Terry Williams and we know he's a good returner but we're not seeing it right now and I don't know if that's I don't think that's him I just think that scheme wise that they're just not able to to, to cut through some of the the tactics going against uh, uh, Williams when, when I've seen him being pinned to the sideline a lot in the first two games and then uh, the cover unit, I mean, they, they basically allowed two return touchdowns in two games, Brennan, but the first one didn't count because it was called back because they, the, the lateral play by the Ottawa Red Blacks was a forward pass. So that got called back, but then uh, Mario Alfer, Alford burns them for 85 yards. And uh, so that's a concern as well. So the defense, in my opinion, it, a bit of a step back against the Alouettes, but overall, I think they're, they're playing pretty well. But it's on offense, they have to hold up their end of the bargain. And that's interesting to me because, as I mentioned off the
1: top of the show, they were talking in Eskimo, or pardon me, in Elks Camp about the familiarity pre-existing from Elizondo and Harris and uh, Greg Ellingson all being Ottawa Red Blacks not that long ago. So they figured this could have been a leg up on stuff. And instead, you're talking about the offense and, and and how the quarterback and receivers may not even be on the same page. Now we know it's not a lack of talent among that wide receiver core. We know it's not in experience at QB. So is that reason to believe that a week or two from now we'll see this unit in sync? or is there legitimate cause for concern over the fact that you know not connecting on the deep ball has been something that we've seen from Trevor Harris in his time
3: here? Yeah, and you know, you, you look at where we're at now, so it's it's the third week in August. Uh, essentially so or you know it's august 18th camp open on july 10th so we're just over five weeks or getting to that five and a half six week part in the season there were no preseason games which i think does have a bit of a factor obviously not playing football for uh 20 months that is a big factor but i think now we're starting to get into to to the phase where you know this unit should be able to gel because they've been working together and they've been relatively healthy uh, for this uh, for this period of time, so eventually you got to think it's going to start clicking. But you know, it's it, it we we just don't know. I mean, I, they look better in practice. I mean, I thought last week going into the Montreal game, Brendan. I mean, they look good in practice. They they were scoring touchdowns after touchdowns. And I think Jamie Elizondo told us last week, we scored nine touchdowns and in, in practice and lead up to, to the Alouette game. And then all of a sudden, you know, after the first drive, they settle for a field goal. Then it was tough sledding since then. So, you know, I think we've heard a lot about belief and, you know, and I've asked this to several players and to coach Elizondo, how do you keep your focus on what you believe in the locker room that you got the talent and they do and not look at Owen two? And, and he says, that's the thing. Uh, is you have to look at what we believe in and look at what we have. It, it's it's different, I think, in Calgary with the Stampeders. Now, Bolli Light Mitchell's out for you know a limited or a, a long-term period. Uh, they're going to have Michael O'Connor, the Canadian, as the backup. But you look at the receiving core; they just don't have the pedigree like the uh, the Elks do. And there's there's championship pedigree on this team. It just has to come together. But it just shows you, Brendan, too, that you can't just slap you know, players together that are talented and just think it's going to work from from the get-go. Sometimes it does, and sometimes you see this situation. And another point I want to bring up, what Jamie Lozando said to me today, is we haven't gone in to our building or anywhere with an attitude that we own the place. And I've noticed that. And on the sidelines, and you were there in game one, but especially game two against the Alouettes, it was dead, lifeless. It just looked like a shell shock group that didn't really know what to do. That has to change. So, We'll see tomorrow night. I mean, there's going to be excitement with uh, with the new owner here with the Lions and Armar Doman, who's uh, you know a, a local businessman, and uh, that's exciting. They're going to have what we would determine a sellout because that's all they can really have is twelve thousand five hundred people at the game. It looks like they're very close to that, if not at that number. So it's their home openers, but let's see if the Elks can come in with a bit of an attitude and and a little bit of a you know some anger in their game and spoil the party. You touched on a couple of things I do want to get to
1: before we let you go. But first, aside from Kwaku Boateng, is there anything else on the injury front
3: we should know ahead of tomorrow's game? Yeah, Kwaku Boateng, that's, uh, that's a tough loss for sure. But uh, yes, our, our Monty Edwards will not play in the receiving and We haven't really seen much of Edwards anyway. So I would suspect we're going to see uh, more of Devon Smith in the receiving core as a starter, but uh, Jalen Tolliver, is going to be added to the roster. And he has some experience with Jamie Elizondo when those two were in the XFL with, uh, I believe it was with Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay franchise. Elizondo was the offensive coordinator for that team at the the back half of the pandemic shortened season. And Tolliver is, uh, you know, he's a guy that goes after the football. He can catch the 50 50 balls. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Duke Williams, um, you know, and when I see him in training camp, you know, every year in training camp, Brandon there's always that one receiver that catches our mm-hmm. eye. Uh, in 15, it was Darrell Walker. In 16, it was Brandon Zilster. In 17, it was Duke Williams. And Jalen Tolliver is that receiver uh, this time around. So uh, we'll see him in the receiving core as well. And, uh, and like I said from the outset, Kyle Saxlett is back at left tackle. So let's see if that is going to make a difference for that O line and the protection for Trevor Harris. I
1: don't know how much insight you'd have, Dave, as to what the new ownership in BC means in terms of, you know, marketing or whatever, just having a fresh sort of perspective from the ownership level in the league i imagine will be a good thing getting a local guy there even better but um, amar doman taking over for the david braley estate, and it sounded i heard a conversation he had earlier this afternoon like he's he's just excited about sort of he's identified that the cfl has been in a stronger place he'd like to help it get back there that's my sense from the situation
3: yeah absolutely and i don't know much about Amar Doman but it's just nice to have a local owner that sees the uh the Lions as very important in this market and I think they are to a lot of people I just think it's it's tough in this city when you have BC Play Stadium that's downtown and it's it's a hard place to get to um and you know I just think as well Uh, 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 David Braley did a lot of good things for this for this franchise he basically saved the CFL um and but after a while it was like okay David sell and now he's not with us anymore and he left enough money in the bank for this franchise to operate for years but what David Braley didn't do very well in the final years was market this team and I see Amar Dolman as someone that can come in and understands the passion of of this market the passion of football and the CFL and uh, and the passion for Lions fans and uh, we'll see what happens and you know over time you know the proofs in the pudding or we'll be in the pudding. but it's just nice that you have and you don't always get this. But it's just nice that you have someone that is from here, that has built a business here, that has the capital and has the passion. I think that's the key, the passion for the brand and for the league and for the city. And hopefully we see that over time from Omar Doman. So I, you know, limited limited knowledge of him, but from, you know, people that uh, I've read up on uh, that have read about him or uh, talked about him today or wrote about him today, it sounds like it's a win. Uh, and the Lions,
1: you know, in recent years, maybe less so, but I can remember, say, 2004, 2005, that kind of era, G. Roy Simon at the, the peak of his powers, Casey Printers out there electrifying things. It, it's a sport that you can absolutely market in that city. It's just that there hasn't really been a lot of that superstar power to stick around, and then you talk about uh, not necessarily taking down as many Grey Cup titles as they maybe would have benefited from. Yeah. But, uh, well, lastly, talk about this Bo levi Mitchell thing because he has been a model of consistency since entering the league I think he has to be one of the least liked players from an Edmonton fan base perspective simply because he's been so darn good for so long you know but now we see him on the six game injured list with a fractured fibula and I don't know that he'll spend the entire six games on there I don't believe you have to but uh, whether he misses that much time this is an opportunity for the Elks to build separation over a team that not necessarily have they always had the opportunity to do that, so what I'm saying is, I think it's high time to to start making hay, or however that uh, saying
3: <laughs> goes. You know what yeah. I mean. Take advantage. I know where you're going. I'm not sure, but I, I know which direction you're going, Take and I'm going to go right there with you. Go ahead. um Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if you're the Elks, you got to make some hay here because you got the Lions tomorrow. I think that's a winnable game. I think the Argos are a bit of a an, an interesting, weird kind of team, but I I think that's a winnable game next week in Toronto. Then you got the Labor Day series, and I'm not saying that the, the Stampeders are going to be be terrible and lose every game, but I'm not going to say that they're going to be great or good enough to win every game. I mean, I don't know enough about Michael O'Connor. Everyone says he's well, he's like Bo Eli Mitchell, who, you know, has has the ability to throw the ball down the field and, and move the offense. That's great in practice, but will that translate into a game? All I know is they're playing the Montreal Alouettes tomorrow and we know how ferocious that defense is because we saw it last week uh, at Commonwealth Stadium and then they have to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, okay, that's that's uh, that's going to be a, a difficult challenge. But if you're the Stampeders, you should be very worried. If you're the Elks, this is an opportunity. If you're the Lions, you see this as an opportunity. But for the Elks, I mean, heading into Labor Day on a two-game win streak, possibly uh with a team that is really wounded and who knows what their record will be by labor day you got to think that this is the time where you got to put the pedal to the metal and say look we got to play our best football now because we an opportunity has opened up here in the west and we got to take advantage of it see you took that exactly where i was trying to fumble my way to i appreciate that
1: dave thanks for the insight man. teamwork man. And, uh, teamwork have a great call with morley tomorrow night enjoy vancouver
3: Thanks, Brandon. Take care.
1: That is Dave Campbell, producer of this show, your typical fill-in host. Instead, you're stuck with me for the rest of the night, Brendan Escott, steering the ship. We'll press pause here on Inside Sports. Come back with... uh a little more audio for you. We know where we can be. We just got to take it there, right? We got to, it just takes one game. One game. We got to click one game, you know, realize our full potential. And from there, we should start building on it. You know, we're not there yet. We haven't been there yet. Um, hopefully, we get there Thursday. But like I said, I'm not too worried about it right now. It's, yeah. it's, it's only week three. You know, we got a lot of room for improvement. That's a good thing. It's not like we're getting beat and we're playing our best football. You know what I mean? We got a lot of room to grow. We got a lot of good football left in us. And um, that's what we're focused on is just, you know, getting in the win column. That is Elks defensive back Aaron Grimes ahead of tomorrow's showdown in B.C., the first road game in a couple of seasons for the Elks. Six o'clock is your countdown to kickoff time here on 630 Chad And then Morley and Dave have your uh, game action just after 8 p.m. And then Friday, it will be interesting to get our first look at uh, I, that is the game for 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 now I've got to think about this. Tell you what, why don't we just look at, let's look at the schedule and then get it right. <laughs> Simply put, it's, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, do the Argos play the Friday night game or is it the uh, the Calgary Stampeders? But either way, both of those teams dealing with uh, quarterback problems of their own. You heard about the broken fibula of Bo Levi Mitchell. So that doesn't bode well for their chances moving forward here the next few weeks, obviously. Michael O'Connor, former UBC Thunderbird 2015 Vanier Cup champion. He'll be at the helm now. And that's because Nick Arbuckle, who had been the backup for Bo Levi Mitchell over the last couple of seasons in Calgary, is now in Toronto. And that's where he, on Saturday... Just to be clear about that, Saturday they host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the early game. Uh, The Argonauts will turn to Nick Arbuckle at starter because McLeod Bethel Thompson hasn't been playing up to par in their first couple of games, so it's... You know, it's been an interesting season to be a CFL quarterback, and we're only two weeks in. You heard about Michael Riley. He's got an elbow injury. Nathan Rourke, who was Dynamo for the uh, Miami of Ohio program, or was he just Ohio? Either way, uh, NCAA Division I comes in from this year's draft, might I add, and uh, is right there with Riley, who looked like he was hurt and then turned around to put up an offensive player of the week performance so you can't really make heads or tails out of a whole lot right now and i guess that maybe that's part of the saving grace for where the edmonton elks are at oh and two through this first stretch but tomorrow again high time to start turning things around 12,000 fans in bc place it's going to be raucous they haven't had any sort of event like that in vancouver to this point so this will be a big one coming out of the pandemic we'll see you know how the fans show out for that they are expecting to sell as many seats as are available so it will be a lively one That's for sure. Can the Elks emerge on the right side of it? That remains to be seen. Again, 8 o'clock kickoff tomorrow night on 6 30, Chad. But that's not the only thing going on right now. Your Toronto Blue Jays fell this afternoon. It was an early start against the Washington Nationals, wrapping up a two game interleague series, and it wasn't good. It was for a little bit, and then the Blue Jays bullpen once again doing, unfortunately, what they have become known as or known for this year, and that was coughing up a lead that those big bats were able to salvage after a certain point it was back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches by Corey dickerson and then marcus simeon to tie the thing at five in the seventh inning but it only took a couple innings thereafter and the jays were down for the count so in the midst of a playoff race a wild card race that won't do them any favors it's also cebl championship weekend this weekend finally the festival kicks off tonight with the awards show and up for his third Player of the Year award, the only man who's won it so far in this league, Edmonton Stingers guard Xavier Moon. You'll hear from him. Sarah Nurse and Team Canada wrapping up exhibition action, their only game of the pre-tournament down in Calgary. They beat Finland 4-1. to And now they set their sights on those same Finns again on Friday to actually open up the tournament. Sarah Nurse will check in. On the other side as well, and then let's get cracking in Seattle with Andy Ied, NHL.com beat reporter for the NHL's newest and 32nd franchise. How things have been going there since the fantasy or fantasy draft? It was very real. That after a global news.
0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.